أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم فجعلهم جذاذا إلا كبيرا لهم لعلهم إليه يرجعون قالوا من فعل هذا بآلهتنا إنه لمن الظالمين قالوا سمعنا فتى يذكرهم يقال له إبراهيم قالوا فأتوا به على أعين الناس لعلهم يشهدون قالوا أأنت فعلت هذا بآلهتنا يا إبراهيم قال بل فعله كبيرهم هذا فاسألوهم إن كانوا ينطقون فرجعوا إلى أنفسهم فقالوا إنكم أنتم الظالمون ثم نكسوا على رؤوسهم لقد علمت ما هؤلاء لا ينطقون رب الشرح لصدري ويسر لي أمري وحد العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي فالحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته uh, We're going to continue our conversation about Ibrahim عليه السلام and what he does after he makes an oath that he has a plan to deal with those idols فجعلهم جذاذا إلا كبيرا لهم So he smashed them into small bits and pieces Except for the a big one that he left for them. Illa kabiran lahum. Kabiran lahum can mean two things here: a big one that he left for them to find, or the big one that they had affinity for. So the lahum could mean two things, meaning the big one that they had the most affinity for, or the big one that he wanted as part of the demonstration he's going to make. I'd like to remind you that this way of making a case that your worship of false gods is incorrect is something exclusively given to Ibrahim and it was not given to other prophets and is not something that is left as a sunnah for us like if Muslims are in charge of a society and there were Buddhists living in that society or Hindus living in that society that we would, you know, when they have their festival we would go back into the uh, temple break all the idols and leave the big one so when they come back they can say who did this and we say ask the big one and if we did that, we'd be following the sunnah of Ibrahim I say this because this actually happened. Um, in, in, in Malaysia, in fact, there was a, a group uh, that came out and said, we have to re restore the legacy of Ibrahim salam, and um, you know, energized young people to go into Buddhist and Hindu temples and break the idols in the middle of the night in the name of restoring the legacy of Ibrahim and of course, eventually, those people of other religions got wind that this is what's happening. And they waited with machetes and weapons for the Muslim youth that were coming to vandalize their houses of worship. And when they did come, uh, there was a bloody massacre uh, and, and violence broke out. And this is all a tragedy because of a lack of tadabbur on the Qur'an. And this is one of the reasons I'm such an advocate and, and I feel so strongly that the only way we can get rid of you know, injustice, truly get rid of injustice in a society is, especially in Muslim societies, 
is by way of reintroducing the Qur'an deeply, thoroughly. Because when you reintroduce the Qur'an, it comes with some things. It comes with a sense of justice, a sense of purpose. It comes with the ability to think critically. It comes with the ability for you not to be able, you not, you know, joining a cult. You don't become worshippers or fo blind followers of a personality. You don't start thinking somebody is a saint and they're so holy that everything that comes out of their mouth is correct. You become a sincere, genuine follower of truth. And you respect those who know more than you, but you also know how to respectfully disagree. You know how to make up your own mind. These are the things that empower a human being. And this is one of the most fundamental things our deen wants from us. It, the last thing, the, 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 the qualities of the society of shirk, the people that don't believe in the right religion, they have certain qualities. And I want you to take note of those qualities in the people of Ibrahim. The nation that he was dealing with, they had certain qualities. And we have to be really careful in asking ourselves, are we becoming, as a Muslim society, are we becoming a kind of society that has the kind of qualities that those people had, right? Because we, we're on the Ibrahim side of things. We're not supposed to be on the mushrik side of things. Alhamdulillah, we're not worshipping idols. But if our mentality and our, and our thought process resembles them more than it does Ibrahim salam, there's something really wrong with this picture, right? So we have to study these passages with a critical eye. Now, I say that Ibrahim salam was given this... this uh, mandate to destroy the idols and it's something exclusively given to him first of all allah has alluded to that in different places like tilka hujjatuna atainaha ibrahim or idibtala ibrahim rabbuhu bikalimatin fa'atammahunna allah azza tested ibrahim alayhi salam with instructions and he fulfilled all of them so there's a special kind of test idibtala ibrahim rabbuhu yani ibrahim khassatan Right? So it's muqaddam, the, the, the maf'ul bihi is muqaddam, the, the object of the verb is preceded. And what that would suggest is the way Allah tested Ibrahim salam is not like he tested any other prophet. And actually even, Allah didn't say, you know, bilibtilaat, you know, or bilfitan, he said bikalimatin. Allah tested Ibrahim salam with words, and words are representative of instructions also. So the instructions given to Ibrahim salam were huge tests. Of course, some of those instructions were like slaughtering his child. But, or, or leaving his family in the desert. But other instructions may, can also include the demonstration he made to his people, هَذَا رَبِّي هَذَا أَكْبَرْ That's also an instruction from Allah. Because Allah says, وَلَقَدْ آتَيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمَ رُشْدَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ We gave Ibrahim السلام, his uprightness from a long time ago. In other words, everything he was doing, it was doing from the, based on the rush that Allah had given him. Right? And so there's, if we put all those pieces together, what picture is painted? Ibrahim السلام, was given instructions like no other prophet was given and not to be repeated by other prophets. And I, say some, I said something a few years ago, some strongly disagreed with it. I still I find it very convincing. I'm going to share it with you. And of course, I personally believe in you making up your own mind. So I, I would advocate that again. But I still have to share with you what I find convincing. Some people argue, no, Rasulullah he also broke the idols when he conquered Mecca. So he fulfilled the sunnah of Ibrahim salam. So you're wrong. Ibrahim salam was not exclusive. It's also a sunnah of Rasulullah And if you follow that mentality, you know what that would mean? That would mean that when Muslims eventually ruled over India, you know, they made a mistake because they left all the Hindu temples intact. And the, the, the Malaysians that are in charge of the, the, the country, that are the majority Muslim country, still have, you know, on, on your way from Kuala Lumpur to the International Islamic University of Malaysia, you're going to pass by a giant Buddhist temple. 
that's going to be up on the mountain. You have to take a lot of steps to see, but you can see it from a distance. It's in a Muslim country. Oh, the Muslims there must have made a mistake. Or what happened recently in Afghan, when the first wave of the, the Afghani takeover, the Taliban takeover happened, they destroyed a lot of ancient idols, right? Oh, they must have done the right thing because they're fulfilling the sunnah of the Prophet No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Why not? Because the, the Kaaba was originally a masjid. When Rasulullah broke the idols, yeah, it looks similar to what Ibrahim did, but he wasn't destroying a temple. He was cleaning Allah's house. It was built for the purpose of one, the worship of one God. That's like saying if somebody forcefully took over a masjid and dropped the giant crucifix in the, at the mimbar, and then when the Muslims finally liberate that masjid, they smash the crucifix or they remove it, then they're, they're, this is precedent for them to go into churches and do that. No, absolutely not. That's not the understanding of our deen. But Ibrahim salam did that. And he, so he was tested in ways like no other prophet was tested. He was given instructions that no other prophet was given. And that's why he was given a status and a rank that no other prophet has been given. In fact, I would even argue philosophically there's a reason for that. There's a reason Ibrahim salam took an aggressive stance like no other prophet. Other prophets were upfront about the da'wah, right? They were upfront about this is the corruption, worship only one God and all of it. But they weren't demonstrating it by breaking idols, right? But why is Ibrahim taking such a tough stance or why is he given that instruction? Perhaps the answer lies in what Allah says about him when he says he was ummah. He was a nation all by himself, right? So he's not even acting as one. He's acting as an entire powerful nation, right? And that, so it's, it's different. Nobody else is called an ummah. No other individual is called an ummah in the Qur'an except him, alayhi salam. So he smashes the idols and leaves the big one for illa kabiran lahum, except a big one for them. لَعَلَّهُمْ إِلَيْهِ يَرْجِعُونَ In hopes that they will come back to him. Hoping they will come back. Now that he could be Ibrahim and it could be the big idol. Meaning hopefully they come back to Ibrahim alayhi salam. He's asking for trouble. He's not vandalizing it and running. He's going to stay there waiting for them to show. He's hoping they come back. And, or he's hoping they come back to this one idol. And you know, the narrations kind of fill, I don't know the authenticity. The narrations come and fill in the gap, like perhaps he broke them all with, a, with smashed them with an ax and left the ax in the arms of the big idol, right? So like, who did this? So, They said, who did this with our gods? Whoever has done this is certainly from those that have done terrible wrong. He's from among the wrongdoers. Who did this with our gods is already, it's a remarkable thing to say. You come to these gods for protection. You come to these gods so they can save you. You come to these gods because you say, so-and-so did this to me, so-and-so did that to me. And now you're coming and you're saying our gods are the poor victims. Who victimized our poor gods? It negates the entire purpose of having a god. Right? It just negates the entire purpose of it. إِنَّهُ لَمِنَ الظَّالِمِينَ so when they said that, when they're having this outcry, they're looking at this, you know, desecrated temple. They're 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 enraged. Some of them said, "Oh, we heard a young young man, Fatan, yathkuruhum. We we heard a young man that was talking about them. Yuqalu lahu Ibrahim. Ibrahim is what he's called. They they say his name is Ibrahim, or Ibrahim is how he's called. So they remember that this is his name." Or we remember one kid that was talking about them. We didn't take him too seriously back then. But he's the only one we can think of. So now the mob gets even more enraged. And they say, 
They said, bring him in front of the eyes of the gathering of all the people. Bring him in front of everyone. We want to make a public execution or public demonstration of this. Now let me pause here for a moment because I'm going through the ayat rather quickly. What are we supposed to learn from this? We're supposed to learn from this that religions that are not based on reason quickly turn into a mob. They quickly turn into an angry mob. And when they find whoever they, they're going to blame, they go after them you know, publicly. They want to make an example out of someone and beat them. And this is them defending their religion. The Muslim can be offended by something a kafir says. But we have something more powerful than a mob or our rage. We have reason. We have the word of Allah. Allah in the Quran says, وَقَالُوا And they said this, this, this. And they said, they said to the Prophet, he's mu'allam, majnoon. He's being taught by somebody. He's crazy. They said, you know, things about the Quran. They said things about Allah. They made fun of the, the resurrection. And we don't go. They made fun of our iman in the akhirah. Who did that? Who's with me? Takbir. Let's dhabiha that guy. Send him to the akhirah. Then he'll believe in the akhirah. You know, like, we didn't have that mentality. Quran says, they say the most offensive things about your faith. They say the most offensive things about your book. It's in the Quran. Offensive against, offenses against the Quran are recorded in the Quran. Offenses against Rasulullah is being called a liar. He's being called insane. He's being called a plagiarizer. All of those offenses are recorded in the Quran. We recite them with tajweed. <laughs> you know? And then Allah says, Qul, and respond, respond, respond. Meaning we are intelligent people. We're not a mob. We don't resort to animalistic behavior. Now if you think about that for a moment and then take a scan of what happens in Muslim communities, in Muslim countries, when someone does something that is offensive to our religion, how we respond, you know? How far from, do we look more like the followers of Ibrahim alayhi salam? Or do we look more like the mob that was ready to lynch Ibrahim <laughs> You know? So he says here, and I'm not, I'm not dismissing the emotion, but actually one of the pinnacles of our religion is the ability to control our emotion, to respond reasonably, to respond with powerful argument, not respond with ignorance. In fact, the moment in, in philosophy you'll learn the moment you have to resort to force, that is when you've lost the argument. Because your words weren't powerful enough to silence the enemy, so you had to use force. Which means the, art, the, the war of words and the war of reason has already been lost. When Fir'aun didn't have any more answers for Musa, then he said, I'm going to use force, I'm going to get you thrown in jail. And the moment he said, I'm going to get you thrown in jail, the argument is over because if he talks anymore, he's going to go to jail. But it also, the argument has been won by Musa You see? So... The moment threats begin, the, the, the argument has already been won. So when they said, bring him in front of the people so they can all see. Now, bring him in front of the people so he can explain himself. Let's see what they're going to say. قَالُوا أَنْتَ فَعَلْتَ هَذَا بِهَا Ya Ibrahim, they said, you? Did you do this? Were you really the one who did this, Ibrahim? You did this with our gods? قَالَ بَلْ فَعَلَهُ كَبِيرُهُمْ no, their, their big one did it. Their big one did it. Now, you would say, Astaghfirullah al-Azim, lying is haram in Islam. I mean, the big one didn't do it, right? Ibrahim alayhi did it. 
Allah, Allah just told us he did it. And a few ayat later, Ibrahim is saying, no, he did it. So is this a lie, is the question. No, it's not a lie because when you know and I know what the truth is, and I, so if, I, if you say to me, hey, where you been? And I say, I've been in jail. No, I saw you yesterday. Where you been? I was in Africa. Where you been? Uh, I was in the Atlantic Ocean. What's it to you? No, just tell me. When I say that, you already know I'm not telling the truth. I'm not deceiving you. I'm being standoffish with you. Okay? Uh, so when, when somebody gives you an answer, you know and they know it's not true, then it's not a lie. Right? It has another purpose. You know what the other purpose is? The other purpose is you're being standoffish or you want to make someone feel stupid. Basically. Right? And so here, when Ibrahim says, the big one did it. I mean, when he's, when he, so he's playing along and he wants them to feel ridiculous. He wants them to feel that. Again, something that you don't find prophets doing. Prophets don't want to make their people feel stupid. They want to invite them. Da'wah is an invitational thing. It's not a condescending thing. But Ibrahim alayhi rage against shirk is so powerful that it makes him take this snickering comment, this big one. I mean, look, all of them got smashed. He seems to be doing okay. Don't you think that's a little suspicious, guys? I mean, the, something's off with this. Uh, and they say, well, why are you asking me first? I've seen you guys ask this, this one for your cows not giving you enough milk or, you know, your, it didn't rain enough this season. You ask him, all kind, ask him all kinds of stuff. Why don't you ask him? And also, your gods, they can't possibly... Just because he smashed them, does that mean your gods are dead? Because your gods are ever living, right? So you could just take one of the Lego pieces and ask them, hey, who did this to you? Right? So he says, Fasaluhum in Kanu Yantiqud. So he says, the big one did it, and you know who's you know who he's not gonna admit it because he's the big one. He's gonna be like, nah, I didn't do it. I know the weapon's in my hand, but I didn't do it. So you know who's gonna tell you? The victims will testify. So why don't you look at the little pieces and ask them in Kanu Yantiqun if they can talk? Because I mean you talk to them, clearly you must talk to them because they must talk back. So go ahead. Farajaru ila anfusihim. So they, the, the literal phrasing in the Qur'an is they went back inside themselves. They went back towards themselves. You know what that means? They got, they got, they got stopped dead in their tracks, in their thought process. Like, wait, what? What just, you know? It's, 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 I think the modern expression for that is they got owned, right? They just, they just felt so crushed by that argument that they started questioning themselves. Wait, I'm angry about... Who did this? These gods couldn't defend themselves? I'm supposed to ask, ask these smash pieces? That doesn't make any sense. But if it doesn't make any sense, then my religion doesn't make any sense. Then فَقَالُوا So they said within them, they had a conversation internally. Now Allah is describing the internal conversation of someone who believes in a false doctrine. And what is he saying? إِنَّكُمْ أَنْتُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ There's no doubt about it. You people, you're the ones that are doing wrong. Now look, look at this, the flip. In ayah number 59, Who did this with our gods? He's the one that's from the wrongdoers. And a few ayat later, they're saying inside of themselves, there's no doubt about it, you're the ones that are wrong. You, you, you're the ones that are wrong. Subhanallah, there's a flip that's happened internally. 
But just because someone accepts the truth internally doesn't mean they're willing to say it externally. And this is the human, this is the human ego. Human ego is yet another God that we must talk about. Someone knows they're wrong. They know they're wrong. But their pride will not allow them to accept it. In fact, not only will they not allow themselves to accept what they know to be wrong and admit it, they will become more aggressive and dig their heels even deeper on the wrong. They'll get even more, oh yeah? You know, and instead of taking a step back, and you, you would think that they're, they're now on the defensive. No, the best defense is what? Is offense. So they get even more offensive. So internally they're defeated, and externally they're enraged. They're enraged even further. So what did they do? Then they dropped their, they, they fell. This expression actually is figurative. It's suggesting that they were thrown back on their heads, meaning like they dropped their heads and they're just like, how do I come up with an answer? They dropped their head down like they're searching for an answer. You know, it also means they bowed their heads down in shame. But then when they raise their head, they're like, we got to say something. So what do they say? I love their answer. Uh, sorry. We, you already know, these don't talk. <laughs> Wait, I already know these don't talk, but that means that they don't talk to you either, bro. You just, you just, did you just make my point? Did you just... <laughs> so in their rage, they admitted they're wrong. They admitted they're wrong. And sometimes the thing with wrongdoers, when ego becomes a god, is that in their rage, they can even admit they're wrong and say, yeah, I'm wrong, so what? The defiance reaches a point where reason is no longer a criteria. Right? So I am wrong, so what? So they say, You already know, these don't talk at all. So then after that, so you're worshipping, other than Allah, something that can't benefit you, can't harm you, because they can't even benefit themselves. They can't even prevent harm from themselves. How are they going to benefit you? How are they going to cause you harm? You know, this statement is not just a statement about idols. When you truly, I truly internalize iman, you know what, I have, what I've internalized? A human being, at the end of the day, a human being cannot benefit me and cannot harm me. Society cannot benefit me and cannot harm me. No, no one can benefit me or harm me when Allah wills it not to happen. There's a seen realm of benefit and harm. But there's a spiritual dimension to benefit and harm. And there's a, there's a courage that gets injected inside of a believer when they really internalize. How can you worship someone that cannot benefit you and cannot harm you. And that, therefore, what's the alternative? What's the corollary? The corollary is, then you can only worship someone who can both benefit you and harm you. Which means, now my relationship with Allah is, only Allah can alleviate harm from me. Only Allah can give me benefit. And if there's harm coming my way, that can only come to me if Allah wills it. It cannot come to me any other way. No one can do anything to me except by Allah's permission. مَا أَصَابَ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ There is no calamity that will ever strike at all except by Allah's permission. This gets internalized. So he's, he, he makes this, this phrasing to them, أُفِّلْ لَكُمْ 
Ufillakum is one of those things in Arabic that you, it's really hard to translate. Maybe there's not even a verbal translation. It's, oh, you people. That would be my translation. I don't know if I ever write a translation of the Quran. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to have a comic section or something in there. Just like maybe the, 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 that emoji. You know, they have that emoji. You know, but Ufillakum is, what is wrong with you people? Like it's an expression of terrible frustration is the, is the expression uf. It's one of those things that from ancient Arabic made its way into Urdu, Punjabi, other languages. Uf, oh, like they would use that, right? But it's actually from the ancient Arabs. Uffin lakum. Wa ma ta'buduna min dunillah. What a terrible frustration I have with you people and with whatever you worship other than Allah. Afala ta'qiloon. Are you then, okay, after all of this, you're mad at me. But how about this? Are you still, are you going to think at all? Are you, are you, are you then going to think? Because you just said, you just said something that negated your own religion. Are you still not willing to think? Well, maybe now they will think. Or maybe the ego is bigger than the ability to think. Because they, what, what, is the, what does pride do? Pride and rage, they, they obliterate my ability to think. So thinking can lead me to truth. Right? But pride and rage can keep me on my falsehood and make me even more aggressively committed to my falsehood. So what's their response? Burn him alive. Set him ablaze. That's their response. When he said, don't you think then? They said, burn him alive. This is obviously now, not only have they lost the argument, they've proven that he's right, but they've also shown us something else. The people that follow the the, the, the the people of Ibrahim alayhi salam, the people who follow the religion of Ibrahim alayhi salam, us, we're able to keep our cool no matter what is said in response. We're able to respond with reason. But the people who follow the way of the ignorant, the one he was challenging, they can't handle confrontation. They can't handle being challenged. And they get to the point where they have no responses. Their only response is, I must destroy you. It's not enough to shut you up. I must annihilate you. I must end you. And not only will I end you, I will make it look like I'm doing something righteous. How? Burn him alive and help your gods. Meaning, by burning him alive, you'll be helping Aiding your gods. My God, you turn to gods for aid. You don't aid your gods. <laughs> you know? So, but now the, but the, the, the psychology of it is important to understand. Burning those, burning Ibrahim alive is actually a religious mandate now. If you truly care about your gods, you must destroy him. The real reason you must destroy him is we don't have answers for him. He's raising questions we don't have answers to. Let me bring this down to reality. It's going to sound a little bit controversial, but I think it's important for us. You know, Islam has gone through many, many uh, phases in its history. And Muslim civilization has gone through many chapters in, it, in its history. And we're now in a new chapter. In this new chapter, after you know, the, the rise of the internet, social media, free thinking, open access to information, there are... You know, if you want to learn your religion, you can just go on YouTube and learn your religion if your country allows access to YouTube. 
or whatever other platform. You can you have access to information you never had before, but you also have access to criticisms against Islam or questions about certain conclusions about Islam that you never imagined, right? So your, your parents and their parents and their parents, they learned something and they accepted it and there was no questioning it. But now your kid's generation is exposed to information that's saying, hey, why do you believe in this religion? It has this, this, this contradiction. Or, you know, the, the scholars say this, but the Quran is saying this, or the hadith is saying this, or how is this hadith authentic, or all kinds of questions, you know? How is this fatwa correct, or whatever. We're all kinds of questions challenging what we thought we knew. Now, when, when someone brings a challenge to what we thought we knew, there's the Ibrahim response, or there's the mob response. The mob response is, this person is asking a question that challenges my comfort zone, that challenges the conclusions of Ahl sunnah wal Jama'ah, therefore, we will consider them a murtad, we will consider them wajibul qatl, we will consider them wajibul beating in front of everybody else, you know, we, we will publicly humiliate them, destroy them, etc. Or, you could say, I hear your criticisms, here's a response. Here's a rational response to every one of the issues you raised, here's why criticism number one doesn't hold water. Here's why criticism number two doesn't make sense. And maybe half of criticism, criticism number three does make sense. Civil, intelligent conversation to be able to respond. If you're able to do that, you know what happens? Those same people that were pretending to have an intelligent criticism, they turn into a mob. They turn into a mob. So my point is, whoever turns into a mob has lost. Whoever turns into a mob has accepted defeat. So when, when the language becomes, oh, you people, I hate you people, or let's do this, and you, you are the problem with society. When you start talking like that, then that's not this deen. This deen says, afala ta'aqilun. We just read the ayah. He's, he invited, why don't you think? Why don't you intellectualize? Why don't you analyze? Why don't you use your head? So now we are in the age where somebody will come along and say, well, I don't believe in this ayah, or I don't believe in this conclusion, or I don't agree with this tafsir. And we can either say these kuffar, watch out for them. These people can't be allowed anywhere near us. This, you know, save your children, you know, etc. Or we could respond. We could, or we could present a more compelling case for why the ayah should be understood a certain way, or a more compelling case, or why why we should follow the, the you know, and and respond to that criticism. Because at the end of the day, truth is not about what makes you comfortable. Truth is what stands on the on the foundation of evidence. Right? If you can present strong evidence, then you've presented your case. That's it. It's that simple. Right? So here we're we're learning that about ourselves. And you know, the fact that Muslims are so quick to get into protest and anger and rage and you know warnings and threats and all this stuff, you know what that tells you? How far we've come from the religion of Ibrahim is one of the reasons I wanted to do this series is because we have to like, take a difficult look in the mirror about what we've become how far we've come from where we're supposed to be. So, I'm gonna end this really quickly now. We said, Allah said, we, we, we declared fire, be cool and peaceful on Ibrahim. Be cool. So the miraculous thing that happens is he's you know, catapulted into a giant flame and the fire refuses to burn him. So now they've seen their gods powerless to benefit or harm. And in the same episode, they've seen the God of Ibrahim 
able to protect him in the middle of impossible, an impossible situation. So not only have they rationally deconstructed their religious worldview, they've now seen something that can only be possible by divine intervention. So there's no reason left for them to not accept. But what did I tell you? What, what is the barrier to accepting truth? Ego, rage. So what's the last ayah in this story? They had a plot, they had a plot planned for him, and we made them the lowest. After you've been defeated, the last thing we we learn is that even then, now we couldn't defeat him face to face, so we need to find some other scheme, some other way to defeat him. Because the problem isn't truth anymore. The problem is being defeated hurts. Being wrong is just it again goes against my pride. I'm willing to accept anything except being wrong. That I can't accept. SubhanAllah. This is a, such an insight into the mentality of a believer and how we, I'm, I'm supposed to be, you're supposed to be open to being wrong. As a, as a student of the Quran, and I'm not an expert, I'm not a scholar, I've never claimed to be, I do my best to try and understand what Allah says and try to study it, discuss it with scholars, arrive at a certain conclusion. And you know what? I need to be intellectually honest and say, perhaps somebody will come along and present a case to me about this ayah that I thought I understood. Or this, this case to me about this hadith that I understood. Or this historical event that I never considered and because of it, I was previously wrong. And now I see it completely differently. If I'm not open to that, that I'm not committed to the truth, I'm committed to my desire to being right. I'm, I'm, my commitment is to my own ego, not to the truth. You know, so we have to develop that that ultimate commitment to the truth in our in our loyalty to our father Ibrahim alayhi salam. So it's a the last thing for today is a, is a contemplation on again Ibrahim alayhi salam when it comes to the truth. People look at the irony. People would reject the truth because they're committed to their ancestors, right? Hear me carefully. People used to reject the truth because of their commitment to their ancestors. And we are committed to the truth because of our commitment to our ancestor Ibrahim Like Allah did, every other society will reject the truth because of the ancestors, because of that false loyalty. And we will be the ones who will continue to go against everyone and stay loyal to our father Ibrahim Doesn't matter who gets angry because he taught us to remain committed to the truth. He, he took something that the world has followed for ages, an ailment, and he turned it into a healing. SubhanAllah. So we proudly say we follow the religion of our father, Ibrahim. When they say they follow the religion of their fathers, they have to shut their brains off. When we say that we follow the religion of our father, we have to turn our, open our eyes. You know, ad'u ilallahi ala basiratin. SubhanAllah. So powerful. It's, so, it's, it's revolutionary. Like you don't think of a religion like that. You don't think of a religion that's demanding from you to be analytical and critical and thinking and thoughtful and responsive. You know, you just want a religion to just be something that you you just hear and you just obey without ever thinking about it. You know, may Allah Azza make us real thinkers and followers of the religion of Ibrahim salam in the true spirit of, of the words that Allah has given us. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Quran al-Hakim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikr al-Hakim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi